Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week's episode of Game Dev Unchained is sponsored by us. <laughs> That's right. This one is for all the students and new hires in the game development industry. We've compiled all of our career tips and secrets into a must-have guide called Game Dev Unchained Game Industry Survival Guide. This 10-chapter book breaks down the most important steps that you need to really get your career going. So if you love our podcast, you definitely want to check out our book. It's available today on Amazon. All right. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the globe, internationally, in the galaxy, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, you know who it is. This is Larry Charles, one half of the hosting team of the Game Dev Unchained podcast, and the other person, the infamous knife killer extraordinaire in Call of Duty, Mr. Brandon Pham. Hey, what's up, everybody? Here to shank you. This is Brandon Pham this week. Please welcome our special guest, Matt Dickey. Hey, Matt. Thank you for uh, for inviting me on. You know, it's yeah. uh, scary to think I've been doing this for so long that uh, you could have been playing my games 13 years ago. Yeah. And here we are talking about your own uh, career in the industry. So. Yes, that's that's the okay. So let me just go ahead and tell the fans. So when I was in high school, everyone, it was a long time ago. I found these games from uh, Matt Dickey. I think it was like 2D wrestling uh, at the time, Wrestling Empire, maybe, and. He, I found out that he did everything by himself. He, he did the animation, he did the sound, he did the programming, he did the marketing, the website, and I was very impressed. And I had a lot of fun with these like offshoot wrestlers like Whack Axe and Whack Oz and like all these uh, characters that you invented in your world. But what's interesting is he continued to make games. He made you know 3D versions, he made Wrecked, you made Sure Shot, Pop Scene, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting one. Reach, the boxing game. You know, like oh, you just... You're a real fan. You're, you really know your stuff. Man, I'm telling you, I, I I literally was in high school wanting to be a game developer, and you gave me inspiration to, you know, to pursue. So with an with honor, we are interviewing Matt Dickey on this podcast today about being an independent developer, doing everything on your own, the trials, the tribulations, the wins, the losses. Uh, so let's get on to it. Uh, Matt, this is usually Brandon's question, but I guess since I'm talking already, do you mind walking us through your career as a developer and uh, who you worked for and your resume? <laughs> Um, well, it depends how far back we want to go because I've okay. honestly been making games for as long as I can remember because oh. even before I owned a computer, mm-hmm. I would make like card games and dice games mm-hmm. and board games. So when I did finally get my hands on a computer, that just became a natural outlet for the same mm-hmm. thing. And um, I would get creative in any software I could get my hands on, even if it meant taking a presentation package like PowerPoint and pulling mm-hmm. it out of context to make a point-and-click adventure. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, you've got everything you need. You can attach sounds and images to mouse clicks. And mm-hmm. I abused that to make a point-and-click adventure. And um, I was eventually introduced to real programming on uh, one of the first courses in England to teach game development as a subject, as mm-hmm. a degree. And uh, halfway through that process, I already started my own business 
publishing games for an audience. Oh wow! And when I graduated, I, I just hit the ground running and carried on doing that for the the first ten years was making games for the PC mm-hmm. because that was the most open platform. Mm-hmm. Um, then by 2012, I reinvented myself as an app developer when mobiles got big. Yes. Um, and that's where I find my true calling because um, everything I did on PC was below average and behind the times. But you bring the exact same work onto a mobile in the palm of your hand and people mm-hmm. start thinking it's ahead of its time. It's above average. <laughs> so, so in that spirit, um, I've managed to release nine mobile apps in a row that have surpassed a million downloads and maintained a four-star average under that scrutiny. And um, I'm working on the 10th. Congratulations, man. That's that's an accomplishment. A million downloads is one, but the four-star average, especially in 2017, when if your game has any one thing wrong with it, someone's going to give you a one-star review. Yeah, and compatibility issues. One-star, one-star, one-star. Yeah, nothing gets above four stars nowadays. It's all... Five star or one star. Yeah, it's, it's such a binary system now. Yeah, especially with mobile development, it's a lot more forgiving as far as like people. We we live in an age where it's Minecraft rules all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and as long as it's fun, uh, which I'm happy that the industry is turning towards, uh, people just want to download and just kill some time on the train, really. And I, I yeah, think that- you're. It- I mean, was it something that was striking to you where when you saw the mobile development just blowing up that you made a decision or was it just, just you've been looking at the industry beforehand before it blew up and it kind of just like, maybe I can just try this and well, convert it? Um, one thing was for sure, PC had run its course for me. Um, I felt I was going around in circles doing the same thing all the time, and it wasn't really getting any better for me. And especially the public reaction wasn't getting better. It was dwindling, and people were less, as you say, less tolerant of um, the novice flaws. When, when you make a game on your own, there's a lot of rough edges and a lot of novice flaws. And on PC, I got killed for it. Whereas, as you say, on mobiles, people are more forgiving. They're, more, they're embracing this retro style. It's an asset instead of a liability. And, um, yeah, that's – and, um, yeah, I was, and I was definitely attracted to, as you say, people playing on trains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was playing, testing my games while I was in the hospital and my daughter was being born. You know, mm-hmm. I was killing time in the hospital waiting room. And that's yeah. – um, and, and people have told me similar stories where they've been in hospital and they've been, still been able to play games to pass the time and they've been on trains. And, and um, yeah, I, I really love that about mobile gaming. That it literally can take it anywhere. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, the beauty of mobile game is, you know, our, our base just grew by 60 million people as soon as people got an iPhone. Yeah. Uh, before the iPhone, game was kind of like in a way, kind of this nerd corner where we play each other's stuff and we enjoy each other's work. But outside of that, there was this, it was just a nerd culture. And then when more you know, Angry Bird comes out and all these other things, and it's okay to pass your time to play games. Oh, if games are kind of fun to actually do, uh, it, it, it kind of introduced the casual market. It's something that Nintendo has been building up to, but Apple just does it in one 
device. And I, I'm, I'm especially happy about it because I, I love those retro games. That is mm -hmm. what a game is to me. If you talk to me about these, um, I've got a PlayStation 4 here that I've never even opened. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not into these. Um, um, I call them interactive movies now. These big games, yeah. they're just like it's like a movie to me. There's so much um, video to skip through. Mm -hmm. I just want the game. I'm, I'm kind of a um, Super Mario kind of player. Yeah. And so I'm I'm I and I genuinely enjoy all these mobile apps. They're not they're not um, downstream for me. They're um, mm -hmm. they're, they're games. Yeah. They're just games. And so and they're they're the games I enjoy making as well. So. Because I, I can never compete with the big um, mainstream blockbusters. I have to aim, aim low. So being an independent developer, you know, uh, I'm assuming that you didn't start with the skill set that you have now, where you're doing animation, sound, programming, you know, graphic art, websites. What was your strongest forte initially? And why didn't you think about possibly working with other people? You know, like, was it a sure like, hey, you know what? I've done it before. It, I got burnt. So I'm just going to do it myself. Or what was I guess what was the mindset going into it about being a completely solo developer? There's, there's two strands to it. One is is that I did get burned when I was at university. We had group projects. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> say four, no more. <laughs> maybe just four people. And they uh, two people didn't pull their weight. I was yeah. waiting for them to do this before I could do that. Whereas by trying to do it alone, it, it was much more hol holistic. Um, I could get things done a lot quicker. It doesn't sound right, but it's true. If I'm not waiting for someone to deliver art, if I'm not waiting for someone to program it, if I'm not waiting for someone to record a sound effect, you'd be surprised how quickly things pour into the project. And that's, that's the secret to my productivity, is that it is quicker to work on your own if you can pull it off. And the results aren't always pretty, but... Um, Sometimes the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and yeah. there's a charm. There's a charm to it sometimes, and um, yeah, that's 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 how I I got into working alone. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the times when I hear indie developers that do it solo, it's commonplace to hear that it's out of frustration of waiting around <laughs> and yeah. the reliability isn't there and all that, and you know, it's just like fuck it. I'll learn programming. <laughs> I'll learn animation. That's, it's that old adage. If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Because nobody, I mean, there are some things you can achieve in a team uh, that are a lot better. But there's also compromises, especially creatively. Yeah. So many of my ideas were so absurd that any sane human being would shoot them all down. And um, <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But without that filter, I've been able to... Mm -hmm. Just be a bit more true, uh, more true to my vision of what I mm. want to do. I would say New Testament probably would have been one of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That never would have been. <laughs> and maybe in that case, they would have saved me a lot of hassle by saying no. Don't do <laughs> um, Nothing that is bad. Good, I'm just saying, yeah. Bad if you're gonna yeah. take that attitude. So I want to go back to the early days for you. I think one of the first things I heard, and I'm not going to cheat and go to your website, but I think you had like big bumps before you started going like truly oh, into are, 3D, right? Very good, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's going way back, yeah. Are you talking yeah. about the 3D one or the 2D one? No, the 2D one first, and then oh, wow. I think wrestling came from that, like Federation Empire and Federation Booker, right? Yeah, well, of course, um, I, I, as you said, um, how do I build up to this? I, I made lots of smaller projects. Um, instead of making a big wrestling game, I just made 
one aspect of wrestling, which was them mm. performing stunts and jumping off things. That's yeah. it. That's the game. I, and then I did lots of little projects that evolved into the big wrestling simulator. So when people ask me um, how to get started, they, they come to me and they say, I want to make a wrestling simulator. And oh, they will man. not hear, no, 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 no. That is the most difficult genre I could ever imagine tackling. <laughs> Do not dive in at that deep end. You have to be happy with lots of little incremental steps and work up to it. Yeah, that's that's gold right there, guys. I can. So I will tell you this: uh, I followed in your footsteps with uh, the Blitz Basic, and I was like, I'm going to oh. make my own games too. And the first game I made was Home Run Derby. It was 12 pitches, and you get to swing and just try to hit home runs. Let me tell you, it took me two months to learn <laughs> the engine, to do the animations, the programming, the sound, just for our simple Home Run Derby game. And it's in my free time. I didn't put in like eight hours a day, but it was a it was a testament to like, hey. It isn't just go in and like make Royal Rumble in one day. Like I'm, it's just not going to happen. It took two months for me to make just a simple home run derby game, and it was fun. But it put development in perspective for me at a very early age. I learned a lot about scope, you know. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to complete a project. That's mm -hmm. what people um, miss out when they're learning. They they start and they drifts away and they never finish it or they aim too high. My advice is is to start small. Finish projects, finish projects, and and that's um, that's how you evolve. I mean, people people think I I I would get upset if they call me a failure. They say, oh, he's, he failed with that one. That was a failure. That that was crap. I, I don't take it as an insult at all because that is what it takes. You have to okay. rise and fall. You have to live and die. You have to keep making projects, mm -hmm. and they will be bad at times. But that's how you slowly evolve towards the better ones. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, kind of going back to, uh, you know, your friends pissing you off at school <laughs> and then you deciding to take this lone samurai road. I mean, I, I'm sure, of course, at the end of it, you've learned a lot more about game development. You created games that you want to create. There was no coral. But I'm sure, too, that sometimes it, it can be very lonely, right? Uh, just being able to do these things. But there yeah. is that sense of so when when was a point where you felt like oh man i wish i had someone to bounce ideas off of man it's just um, me in this dark room all the time <laughs> yeah it, it, it does get lonely i could go um actually it doesn't bother me really i kind of learned to live with it but um by somebody else's standards they would be depressed to live my existence um oh man i, I could go I, I in the old days i could go a week without speaking to another human being and uh, <laughs> um but um what was the question? Just uh, when was the, I mean, at some point you found oh, some peace with it. But um, what was the point where you felt like, miss? yeah, you missed out on having friends? Um, definitely. I missed the fact that nothing happens unless I make it happen, mm -hmm. which, because that's not a good thing. Um, sometimes I wish I, I was with a publisher who says, oh, guess what? Your game's going to be in a shop. I've figured it all out for you. I've arranged mm -hmm. it. And guess what? We're going to do this. I've figured it all out for you. Um, I miss that input where somebody could surprise me with some good news that they've yeah. done. Um, whereas I know exactly what's going to happen and it will not happen unless I work hard to make it happen. And there's yeah. a bit of drudgery in that. And, and it, it can be a lot quite stressful to to constantly be thinking about what you're supposed to be doing right now to, to run this business. Mm -hmm. There's nobody to fill in the gaps. If I switch off, the whole machine switches off. And that's a lot of pressure. It's not necessarily a good thing. 
So you found some success early on with, you know, action and wrestling and things like that. Where, I guess, is it that you're just kind of like, oh, man, it's starting to get monotonous that I'm only making wrestling kind of content that you start switching into, you know, pop scene and, you know, these alternative ideas, so to speak? Or what's the thought behind that? Well, there's no shortage of ideas. I still feel I've got more ideas than I could ever make in a lifetime. And I'm always rushing to give them all a chance to exist, um, yes. even even now. Um and so, yeah, I mean, some of my fans don't appreciate it when I deviate from wrestling because they, they think that's my bread yeah. and butter. Um, but you'd actually be surprised to, to hear that um, Hard Time is the most successful game I've ever made. And that's oh, wow. a, prison, that's a yeah. prison simulator, which is only loosely um, based on wrestling. Um, so it's actually um, the adventure games that, um, that pay the bills and keep the lights on. Oh, um, so, so, yeah, I, it is important to me to have a... A wide portfolio of, of different projects, um, yeah, for my own sanity as exactly. well as uh, everybody yeah. else. It's yeah. like uh, you're you're independently making games, so <laughs> yeah, making making other types of games, not being pigeonholed into one type. It's a bit like um, when 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 a comedian tries to be an actor or something. People don't appreciate it when he mm -hmm. tries to do too many things and isn't grateful for the one thing he could do very well, but. Um, yeah, succeed or fail, I, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do a wide range of things. Yeah. And I imagine even if you were the best singer in the world, if everyone only wanted to hear you sing one song, the enthusiasm yeah, and the I'm joy. Sure yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, we can lament about that, but that's like an executive problem. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I'm so successful right at what something, and then like people get pissed off when I do something else. It's like, it's an awesome problem to have. Uh, or an indie developer. Yeah. So when you first start your business and you're making games for yourself, was there a point in time where you were worried that like, oh man, it doesn't look like it should it should go on, right? And then you pushed through and persevered. Was there an early time where you felt like the deck was stacked against you? Um, yes. I mean, um, usually um, technical problems almost mm. sank my career. Like um, my laptop, uh, my computer broke mm. and... And I couldn't, and I was halfway through a project mm. and um, it almost took the project down with it because I had to figure out how to get this project off a broken computer. And then I had to suddenly come up with 500 pounds to replace the computer. Mm. It was a big investment in the early days of my yeah. career. And um, yeah, things like that almost almost sank me. And there's so many technical issues. Um, I've had, yeah, I've been halfway through projects and the um, files have become, become corrupted and Maybe I'll get a virus. Um, things like that have really um, um, taken me to the edge sometimes. But yeah, you I, even if it means I have to do some things all over again, which I have done before. Um, Wrestling Revolution, the first big mobile app I made, that was almost lost forever. The oh, file, file became corrupted, and I had to scratch and claw to put it back together with all these um, utilities. And um, I just about salvaged it, salvaged it, and. I had to redo some of the animations, some of the programming. Um, yeah, you have to you have to rise to the challenges sometimes. It's not all smooth, smooth sailing. Jesus, that's a sad, that's a sad, heartbreaking story. I'm glad that you persevered and got through, but like to think that half a project would have been lost, and you're like, it's corrupted. Some people will stop there and just say, "Well, I'm screwed." Yeah, you know. Well, as we speak, I've got a USB key next to me, which I always um, back up every night because. Um, the alternative is not worth contemplating. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely teaches you to prepare better and yeah, and uh, just going through that loop of doing everything correct the first time and then something happens and mentally going through, oh, okay, how do I, do I want to do this again? Mm. And then going through it again. I mean, the second time is always going to be a stronger version because well that's the irony yeah. sometimes i've improved on my work against my will by being forced to do it again yeah, um, yeah. especially with the 3d animations in 3d studio max that got corrupted yeah. and that stopped working and i had to do it all over again from scratch and it was better so mm-hmm. you can't sometimes things happen for a reason and you yeah to i think that right. drive of just knowing that all right i gotta do it again it's gonna suck but you know what it's probably going to be better like that going to that place of seeing improvement and progression no matter how many setbacks you get is yeah. is, is important i mean obviously working as an indie developer as a solo developer doing all this all yourself and you know you were talking about if you're sleeping nothing gets done right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of have to have have that attitude like uh you know, fuck you, kind of story. It's like I'm gonna. It's a big, this. it's a big test of faith. How much does yeah. this mean to you? What are you willing to sacrifice to, wow. to see this thing through to the end? And yeah, there's a lot of testing times, and sometimes, sometimes it is too much, and sometimes you do give up uh, on some things you want to accomplish. Um, but yeah. Well, do you have any projects that you considered canceled that we, you know, you might have like, yes, I'm gonna make this game, and then, uh, no, I'm not. I tried to make a game with no graphics called um, called Earshot, which had okay. no. It was. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was for blind people. It was just a. Um, it was just a, a a creative test to myself. Yeah. Can I make a game with no graphics? And it was all based on what you can hear in your left and right ear. Mm. And I kind of gave up on that because uh, it was, <laughs> pretty. That's, that's a cool idea, though. Yeah. It, it had potential, but I just. Uh, I literally didn't see any. Didn't see anything in its future. <laughs> but uh, um, that could be a great little uh, game jam idea, though. Like, get a bunch of college students together and say, "Hey, we're going to make a game that's all Sonic based." Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I did start my career doing tiny projects like that. Loads of little tiny projects, some of mm. which didn't see the light of day. Yeah, and but now, now it's kind of all or nothing. If I did something like that now, my audience wouldn't accept it. Yet. They want. Mm big games yeah. we're gonna keep them busy all year yeah. and nothing less we'll um, we'll be back to those one star reviews if i, if I do <laughs> all right so my next question for you is actually a two-part question one what was your absolute favorite project to make and then what was the worst most taxing project that you made um the most fun was this recent one about superheroes called super city that was because every every day was like um Let's, how do I program this new superpower? It's all positive. It's all exciting, entertaining. If I, if I walk through, if I was walking through Toys R Us with my daughter and I would see a superhero action figure, I would just think, how am I going to make that costume? I like those colors. Mm. Um, it was all positive. Uh, I enjoyed every everything about that one. Um, the most taxing was... Technically, the Wrestling Revolution 3D, because people forget that that was the first 3D, not, not only the first 3D game I ever made on a mobile, mm. it was the first 3D game I ever made with this new game engine. So mm. there was this whole learning process that nobody was aware of. They, they thought, oh, he's just going to port that, that old Blitz Basic game. But there's no connection between the two things. There is no yeah. connection at all. It is a completely different project. And I had to learn a new programming language 
I had to learn how to get the best out of a mobile while making this huge wrestling simulator. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really miraculous to me that I got that thing over the line um, and squeezed that much onto a mobile app. Um, uh, people still want me to make it bigger, but it's, um, it's not a good idea. What engine did you end up using when you went 3D for mobile? So I, I make the 2D games in Flash, mm-hmm. and I use an extension of Flash called Flare 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, which allowed me to load in 3D models and uh, texture them, mm-hmm. and then it back to the, blade, the Flash programming to bring that to life. Um, okay. And yeah, it was it was very productive. It's a, I, I think it's um, extinct now. I think it's a, I don't think it's around anymore. So, um, <laughs> but um, it was it, it deserved um, more respect because I I got good performance out of that. Uh, we had mm-hmm. um, up to twenty, at least ten, maybe twenty wrestlers on screen in the palm of your hand in a 3d game um yeah. most max out on wwe's game has one-on-one matches you know so to, to go beyond those limitations was um was very yeah. impressive yeah. to me take that vince mcmahon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so well let me ask you did you consider like trying unity or unreal as you were going mobile did you give those a shot or any of the I'm other engines them a shot now I've, I've got unity right now um i'm not okay. using it for projects yet but i'm mm-hmm. feeling it out and seeing what will happen this year um mm-hmm. I'm not too impressed with the what you see is what you get thing. Um, people might be surprised to hear that, but I don't actually like shortcuts. I mm-hmm. I like pure mathematics. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I get good performance is mm-hmm. through raw mathematics. I don't like to use these too many of these plugins and, and extensions that do all the hard work for you. That's mm-hmm. a, a dead end performance wise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so um, I'm not too impressed with the fact that Unity wants to wants me to use a lot of shortcuts to get things done, and I'm I'm constantly trying to undermine it and say, no, let me do this. Let me, <laughs> no, get that away. Let me type this out the way I 100% want it to be. Um, that's why they're all so similar, is um, I think so. But yeah, I am obviously that's more future proof. It's the way to go. It's so versatile with the publishing uh, side of things. I have to get my head around it and start using it. But I will. I will leave Flash um, grudgingly. I, yeah. I, I really like it. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. there's also there's always a benefit to doing the manual approach. You know exactly what's going in. You know exactly what you're getting. So all these programs, a lot of the times I feel, uh, you might go in there and you're going there fixing afterwards. So yeah. that's part of game development. But if you're in there and you're putting exactly what you want, you know, you, you have a product that you can just iterate on fun instead of just going back and fixing things because it's firing off different codes that you're not wanting. Yeah, if you weren't responsible for the code, you don't fully understand it and yeah, it can backfire. I, I like to know every inch of every syllable in every line of the code. I've, I've uh, yeah, I've got my head around it. I, I put it there. I know what it's for. Yeah, it's important. So I want to ask you, uh, obviously, you're talking about, you know, all your games are generating like a million downloads. Uh, Like, when was that first moment when you hit like a milestone that you never hit before, where you're like, oh, right, now it's something? 
when Wrestling Revolution did 50,000 downloads in its first month, I was, I was, I showed my wife, wow, we just done 50,000 downloads. That's more, that's more than the original game ever got downloaded. Yeah. And it's, it's done it in one month, and that's the power of mobiles. And now um, it's not uncommon for the 3D one to be downloaded 50,000 times a day. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's so attractive, the mobile marketplace for those numbers. I mean, I didn't actually do anything to deserve it either. That's the um, strange thing. I didn't do too much marketing. I've never paid. I've never paid for an advertisement in my life. I've never done anything except create unique games that people will um, try to find and um, spread by word of mouth. Um, I, I just that's the most important thing because uh, there's so many apps on the marketplace now. The most important thing is to make something unique mm -hmm. that they cannot find anywhere else. And if you want a 3D wrestling game, you're not going to get very far. So I like I like to kind of find my own little corner of the industry and, and, and do my best for that and do my best for that audience and do my best for that audience. That's why another reason I make so many different genres. Mm -hmm. I want to do my best for the music fans. I want to do this for um, fans of prison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's it was a it was a worthy venture because you said that was your six, most successful game, right? So mm -hmm. the tried and true was not actually the most lucrative, I guess, or maybe um, individually. Because well, well, actually, it depends which way you look at it. Because Wrestling Revolution 3D was downloaded the most times, okay. but they weren't paying customers, so mm -hmm. it's it's not downloaded by more people who who don't pay for it, yeah. whereas Hard Time and the adventure games, I think it's a different demographic. Um, yeah. school, school Days and Hard Time are my two most financially successful acts mm -hmm. um, because it's a demographic um, that, that pays, that buys games. Um, there's a difference there. Yeah. But you mentioned before, like, uh, you, you never really paid a cent for marketing, but, I mean, Wrestling Revolution, 3D Revolution is, is kind of like your marketing game. They introduce your audience to you and now they're a fan and they kind of follow you on all your other games and yeah so you only, you only actually need one success one success will equal lots of little successes afterwards because just all i have to do is just put a little line in the game saying get the go and get the new game now and mm -hmm. that's it a million people will go oh. hope go and try it doesn't mean they like it but they'll give it a chance uh, they see uh, it. <laughs> yeah which is you have your yeah. you have your own captive audience so yeah take advantage I'm, of that indie guys yeah i'm very grateful for them as well because um independent games wouldn't be anything without independent minded people to give them a mm. chance and i'm so proud and proud of them for giving me a chance and for trying new things so has independent game development been your only job since you started the business or have you had to like, ah, you know, money's low. I need to go and work at the movie theater or sell cars or, you know, um, there if were, you don't mind me asking. Yeah, there, there were times when it was tight, but uh, mm -hmm. I still made a living from it. Um, I've, okay. I've got a saying, which is that um, a philosophy, which is that rich just means you earn more than you spend. Mm -hmm. Now, you can look at that two different ways. You can either earn more or you can spend less. And I lived a very frugal life where I just spent less. And, mm. and that was how I survived is that I didn't have a very high-maintenance lifestyle. So if you can't control your income, you can control your outgoings. And, um, I got through, but it's easy to say that when you're not a family man. Now that I'm a family man, I'm very uh, <laughs> much more financially motivated. I wouldn't do that now. 
son, I, I, I did the old tortured. Son, sit down. I'm gonna tell you about this philosophy. Of mine. <laughs> 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 Why don't you chew on this for a little? <laughs> but it's true. Like when it comes to independent development, you have to take charge of your finance. As you know, there's offense and defense, right? You know, if you can't generate more money you you got to look at your your spending and and cut down on that and make sure that you're earning some money so yeah i don't see enough to get by yeah i just made yeah. it work so there's hope guys out there that you can do there it is yes if you <laughs> be a tortured artist for 10 years there's light at the end of the tunnel well let's talk about uh your community here so like every part of any development is like a science upon itself, the marketing, making the game, uh, and then maintaining a community. So you, you were able to convert your, let's say that first month, 50,000 and it grew and grew and grew. And finally you're like, all right, let's make a paid game. And you were able to convert some of your free customers to paid customers. And then that mm. just built off. Like, was it instinctual when you saw that? Or was it something you were testing to finally make that conversion happen? What was the um, strategy? Well, one of the things that took the sting out of even worrying about that was that uh, on mobiles, you can get paid by ads. So I was able to monetize my free users, um, and I still do to this day. So that that took a lot of the pressure off. I really don't care whether someone buys the games or not. It's, it's, it's all about them, whether they want to own the full product at its best or they don't. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really take it or leave it as far as I'm concerned. And um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about advertising because it unlocks so much free content uh, with no real quibbles. Um, uh, um, yeah. So are there any, oh, excuse me. Are there any mobile games right now that you kind of are taking inspiration from or just games that you really like or that are inspiring you in any ways as a developer? Um, I've been trying to, to play more console games so that I'm not okay. completely out of the loop and I'm, I'm I don't have time to be honest. It's one of the strange yeah. things that when you make games, you do not have time to play them. Um, yeah. Literally not. And, um, but I have enjoyed looking at Red Dead Redemption on, on my Xbox and mm -hmm making me want to make a, a, a Western game because Westworld's big and Red Dead oh, man. is coming yeah. out later this year. So I might jump on that bandwagon and uh, and um, see if I can inherit some of that audience. Um, there you go. You heard yeah. it first here on Game Dev Unchained. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I respect people that can accomplish more than I can graphically because I'll never be able to do anything like that. So I'm always impressed with um, people that are good artists and, mm. uh, and people that create those worlds. I'm, you know, I love Grand Theft Auto's world. I love sandbox games, open world games. And when it's that realistic, um, yeah, I'm very impressed by it. Yeah. I just can't replicate it. I mean, if you did that by yourself, I would be very impressed at any level, right? <laughs> if you were able to. I don't know how many people are working on that thing. Jesus. I would say probably somewhere around 420. Like, it's it's a oh, huge man. number. It's like a and thousand. That's, yeah, that's. That's like. But that, I was going to say. Yeah. That's not including any sort of outside of studio help. Well, I'll say I, I know a couple in my town who do the translation. They do the Korean translation of Grand Theft Auto V. So yeah, they're spread all over the world, these little outposts of uh, productivity. 
Yeah, Jesus. Well, do you have any career goals that you have left uh, on your career bucket list, so to speak, that you want to achieve that we don't know about? I was excited about VR at first, but mm. I, I think I figured out that I haven't got time to be deprived of my senses. I can't mm. go without my vision. I can't, with children in the house, I can't mm. not be aware of what's happening around me. So I, I really haven't used virtual reality. I was excited about it in theory. Mm-hmm. But it's sat in my in my desk for um, about a year. Um, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was going to be something special, but I don't think you'll be seeing anything from me, or will I even be playing those games? Um, so yeah, all all that's left is uh, maybe in my future there's more 3D mobile apps because at the moment I'm not happy about I'm not happy about um, performance of 3D apps mm-hmm. on on current mobiles when. They get a bit better, a bit more, a bit more similar to what I can achieve on a PC. I'll, I'll ramp up the 3D work again and, and do some bigger projects of that kind. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that. So I'm, I'm very curious about um, your schedule, right? Uh, as in a snapshot, not to go into much detail. Before you were kind of mentioning, you, before, when you were starting, you would go on a week without talking to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I just want to see like what was uh, a snapshot of beginning, the middle, and and then now. Kind of just paint a, a picture for the audience of, you know, what what is the life of an independent developer? I mean, what what is it? Is it nine to five? Do you stick to a particular schedule at night or early in the morning to get your work done so you can hang out with family? I mean, there's a lot so, of freedom, but yeah. still, there's a lot. You got to put some restrictions on. Yeah, the the differentiating factor was um, before I got married and after I got married. This is big. (laughs) When I I was single, I used to just literally every waking moment was spent either making games or thinking about making games. And it was literally nine to nine sometimes. Um, But now, yeah, that's calmed down to something very... reasonable and and people have noticed my productivity has kind of slowed down a bit but it has to i've got you know more important things to do than just make an endless conveyor belt of games Mm -hmm. but the the routine hasn't changed too much i wake up in the morning and i answer emails and i argue with people on twitter and uh, then i (laughs) i will do some artwork in the mornings and then i'll spend the afternoon programming that artwork to bring it to life and because I find I'm more um, alert in the afternoon to do complex programming. Mm. And then I wind down in the evening by just maybe some social media stuff again to share that day's progress, talk about it, report on it, and, and check some other business issues. Um, so yeah, there's, I, the, the good thing about trying everything is that I never get bored. Every hour I'm doing something slightly different. Mm. Uh, so. Yeah, my mornings are different to my afternoons, and my different to my evenings. So I, I enjoy that about it. I never get bored. How's the interaction with the community? Like the, maintaining that and talking to them, and like how much do you take in? How much do you actually ignore? I mean, that that's it's, a full time job by itself. Yeah. Um, well, I've had to kind of just step back from most of it. Like I had, don't have time to read all of the reviews on the um, Google play and iTunes. I don't have time to read every comment on Facebook. I don't, it's a question to be careful what you wish for, because I used to dream of the day when I opened my laptop and checked my email and there was a thousand emails. Wow. Mm-hmm. A thousand emails from all these people. That used to be my Holy grail. It used to be my, um, my ultimate goal to have 
loads of people writing to me. Now it's it's the um now that it's actually happened, yeah. it's more than it's overwhelming. It's more than any one human being can absorb. So you have to distance yourself from it because it's too much information. And it's not a question of ignoring them because I do value their opinions and I do like to hear from them. And sometimes I get into um, some nice banter with with um, the people that play my games and mm. um, I do miss that. Um, it was a lot better when it was just a few thousand people. Um, I almost knew them all individually, the people that were supporting me. But, yeah. but now, yeah, it's this big kind of cloud of, of, of content mm-hmm. that I can't. Do you feel like going in mobile now, especially doing free and paid, have you ever experienced what I like to call the unpleasable customers who in mobile, it's just like, man, I'm giving you so much content and I'm letting you have it for free, but you just watch ads and even that is too much, you know? Oh, yeah, that was the most recent thing on my Twitter account is um, people (laughs) complaining about ads, but put less ads in it. So you want there to be less free content, right? Because no, no, put less ads in it and and more content in it and do it quicker. Mm. And it's it's just um, you've got to remember sometimes you're talking to children who don't know how business works or how adult life works. Um, But, yeah, it can be an insult sometimes when you've given someone your best and they want more and it's not good enough. You know, you talk about my productivity. They, they talk about how, I, how slow I am. Oh, what's taking so long? What's taking, <laughs> it's, taking you, it's taking you six months to, to make the biggest 3D wrestling game on mobile. Come on. And that's frustrating. It's like, what are you comparing this to? Who, who yeah. else is, is, is doing a better job for wrestling fans? And yeah, yeah that's frustrating when people don't appreciate that. But I suppose it's the same with any other job. I don't appreciate what goes into um, someone making a film or something. Because um, mm. there's always nuances to everybody's job that other people don't understand. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, I'll walk down the streets in China and um, and I'll see people making noodles with their bare hands in this very artistic way. And a part of me thinks that's, that's incredible talent. Mm. There's always nuances to every job that I think people should try to appreciate. But if you don't do it, it's... Uh, it's hard to do so. So now my next question is kind of leaning on the whole, how you handle the, the unpleasable customer. How do you handle competition? So you're in it, like I'll say wrestling is very popular. There's lots of wrestling games. A lot of features that you come up with will be, I'll say borrowed or implemented differently in other games. And some do it better. Some may do it worse. I guess, what is your true standpoint on making sure that you always stick out from the crowd? Cause even though you did claim that you go after niche markets, wrestling is still pretty big primarily. And I'm just focusing on that, right? Cause I know, know that you've handled competition very well with some of the offshoot games that you've done that stayed away from your main bread and butter source. But when it came to Federation Booker, Wrestling Empire, and those types of games, I guess, what was your biggest way of like knowing that you were going to compete against competition? Or was that even part of the plan? Yeah, it's always part of the plan to be different. That's, okay. that's, my, own, that's my, my only goal is I will not do this if I cannot do it differently. Because there's just no point. There's no reason for it to exist. And the public will feel that way as well. So with wrestling, even though you're taking something that's been done a thousand times before, you can always find something to twist, a new twist on it. Mm -hmm. And um, so with wrestling, 
what I kind of brought to the table was the behind the scenes stuff where you're talking about contracts and, mm. and business things that the WWE would um, shy away from. They, they mm. couldn't if they wanted to. They couldn't expose the business that deeply and tell you how much Randy Orton earns or, or anything like that. They, they don't really want to get involved with that kind of banter. But um, mm. so I'll, I'll find yeah, that, that's a good example. I will, I will find something that a professional company cannot do because they don't have the freedom. Mm. And I will kind of. I will just bring that into existence. Say, look, I, I did this because I'm independent. I can I can go down this road. Nobody else can. Let's yeah. let's see where it ends up. Yeah, I uh, I will say that that's a lot of what made me a fan of those early games. Is every guy my age at the time had a fantasy of being like, oh yeah, I want to be like a world championship wrestler. And even when you buy the games from WWE and have like a career mode, all career mode was is just a series of matches in a row that led to some sort of big event. But yeah. You know, your games had like the contract negotiations. If I push for the wrong thing and I upset the guy, you know, like you see, like, yeah. hey, well, you think you're so high and mighty, you know, and the guy like insults you because you you asked for the you pushed for the wrong terms or you went too hard in negotiations. And that mattered, right? Like alliances, do you sign, do you not? And then they jump you like two matches later. You know, it was it was great. You actually gave fantasy fulfillment that other games did not and so that's what made me a fan very early on well that's it that's it i'm, I'm a fan as well and i just make the games i would want to play mm. i mean if i'm passionate about it then somebody else must be passionate about it as well and mm. yeah i used it's funny because um i used to i don't know how to describe it, i would my brother and i used to talk about all the latest wwe games coming out mm. when we were children and I had this strange habit where I would lie about it. I would lie about WWE's game and tell my brother, oh, it's got this schedule full of um, matches. It's got this mm. calendar full of matches and it's got these contract negotiations. It's so realistic. I was like lying to him about what the game contains. And looking back, what I was doing was I was just expressing what I wish a wrestling game had. Mm -hmm. And then when I was an adult, I, um, I had got a chance to bring those to life. So it's basically just me the adult me trying to entertain the child. Uh, uh, that's kind of my, um, my MO. Yeah, that's, but that's profound though. The adult me entertaining the child me. There's a lot of us that do that in many ways, but the game developer version is awesome because you're not the only person who gets to appreciate it. You know, yeah. everybody gets to appreciate it. And I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Well, speaking of competition, um, you know, setting out to do something different is always a key thing uh, that has worked for you, right? And it, I always wonder how much of when you're starting a race with someone, how much do you look back during development to to build off of things? Like, that can be distracting or it could be beneficial, but I mean, I'm sure it can be stressful every time you're, you're set to do something and midway you're like, oh, oh okay, I, I got to fix this. I already changed this. How much of that was part of it or not at all? Well, how much um, was I preoccupied with what other people were doing? Is yeah. that a question? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, sometimes, well, I would always, even if somebody was doing the same thing, I would do it a different way. Um, can't quite think of an example, but um, usually WWE's games, I would keep an eye on those, and um, they, they came out with a rating system for the matches around the same time I was releasing a game, and uh, even if, um, 
and, and I don't I don't get precious about it anyway because I don't believe there's anything new under the sun. I'm I'm just I'm copying them more than they're copying me. Um, and everyone's copying everyone in everything. WWE is copying movies sometimes. And we're all copying everybody. And I, I don't get too precious about who had the idea first. I get I'm more interested in who had the idea best. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's huge right there. I mean, you are well in the game development. You're always borrowing ideas. You're always making it better. I mean, everything that's been done has been done in some form. Like, even in this era, right? <laughs> Nintendo's finally entering the mobile market. But people have been doing Nintendo games for mobile for, for years. <laughs> it's like straight yeah. up. And the app market, if anything, is just retro Flappy Birds every few yeah. years, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a barring type of market. So, But I, doing things the best is what separates you from the pack. Yeah, I think I'm actually excited that in the mobile space, everybody is a winner if you deliver something good. If you make a solid retro looking one button game, you can do well. If you make a solid like some sort of MOBA style game or a Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, like the big and the small can all be successful on mobile because there's so many customers who apparently just have unlimited credit card funds to just buy whatever, you know? Which is it's strange to me that WWE hasn't actually taken it very seriously. Um, that's why I've been able to monopolize this, this marketplace. They're not really interested. They've kind of left me to it. And um, they could blow me out of the water if they wanted to. But they, mm. they, haven't, um, they haven't put much effort into it so far. And so the, in the absence of any competition, um, I, I've been able to do a bit better. Uh, so... Question for you now as a fan and developer, because I have done this at other companies. How many unknown Easter eggs have you put into your own games? Like, oh, this person is named after my brother and, you know, my mom's picture is in this background image or something. Oh, yeah. A lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that. Um, <laughs> one of the most affectionate ones was um, in the school game. Uh, one of my teachers who died, uh, oh. he, he's, he's on the wall. Uh, of the geography classroom where he taught, he's on the his pictures on the wall in, in memory of. It's very small; nobody can see, knows what it is oh. except me. But um, yeah, there's lots of little things like that where I will pay tribute to someone or something, even if nobody notices. Uh, That's awesome, man. Yeah. The the biggest one that I had, uh, I tried to sneak my little brother into Call of Duty, <laughs> and I got caught. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, Larry, like a you face know. texture, a face texture, or something." No, so they have this system where you, um, let, let's say you're making a level and you need, you know, stand in like red shirt guys who like, yes, sir. And then you run off into the distance. Oh. Every time you point your cursor at somebody, it says their name. So it's supposed to just randomly generate these names so that there's no like legal issue. And like, I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but whatever. I don't work there anymore. So on, on my level, I just took one guy <laughs> and I named him LT for Lieutenant Thomas because my little brother actually was in the armed forces and he flew helicopters. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell him I'm going to do this. And I think it'll be great. And I just thought, like, I'm just renaming a guy. It's not a big deal. Little did I know <laughs> that they were like, Larry, we can't be doing this. You know, anyone could just put any name and then it does has to go through legal and such and such. But I didn't get to put my little brother's name in Call of Duty, but I tried. I tried. Lieutenant Thomas existed for like maybe two weeks and then they found it and I had to take it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't so. know why we do these things. There's no real benefit to it. Oh, yeah. It's just, you just feel like you're doing something cheeky. Yeah. I think mischievous. 
Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I'll never get a job again because I admitted that. But no, I, I, I thought that was it's sweet like, as a game developer. Like Easter eggs is a great thing. And I didn't think that that one was going to hurt anybody. I've Easter egg pretty much on all my games <laughs> without being <laughs> caught. It's just so easy to write something in the texture and just. Well, yeah, as an artist, it's different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't parse data from a JPEG yeah. file. So, and so <laughs> well, Brandon. Yeah, what? I was gonna say, can you tell us one of your Easter eggs? Uh, there's one that I did in uh, in Bioshock where uh, you're in this level and you have one of those um, printing machines. The level mm. is uh, just full of them, so I just wrote my name <laughs> over and over. <laughs> so if you go to these printing machines, you actually see my name just being scanned out, but no one really uh. goes and checks. <laughs> so there it is, right? So, Very like, nice. so every time I go there, I can see my name being printed out. You're more successful than I am at it. But the trick is not to like <laughs> look suspicious when you're doing it. It's like, who cares? Uh, That's a good thing about being independent. It didn't even occur to me that I shouldn't be doing these things. You do whatever you want as independent, yeah. yeah. Always get away with it. So what is fun, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to ask, uh, what's the one game, if there is one, early on that you were like, man, you know what? This is it for me. I also want to make games. Did you, was it a game that did that or was it just the idea of game development that got you? Yeah, it's just the whole process. Um, you, you know, I was a big fan of the Super Nintendo. So there's lots of games. And um, that's one of the things I like about mobiles is going back in time to that era. Mm-hmm. Cause that's my favorite era. And um, um, yeah, I was just, I suppose I've got to say the wrestling games. Um, there was a Japanese one called Fire Pro Wrestling, which was Fire Pro, yeah, which was a lot more serious than the WWE games. They took it very seriously, and um, it was had more depth to it, and that inspired me to uh, trying to accomplish the same thing nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. To take it seriously, to to do it justice, to do it well, instead of just another piece of WWE merchandise. To really mm-hmm. care about the product and to do that. Um, and then again on the N64, um, those wrestling games are still held as the benchmark for gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I tried to to replicate that era, the N64 era, in my 3D games. So you've got the Super Nintendo era for my 2D games, and you've got the uh, N64 era for my 3D games. And then it kind mm-hmm. of it doesn't progress beyond that, but that's fine with me. Um, it, it, it's got a certain charm to it that I like. Yeah. Man, I have to commend you, though. So knowing that you started in engineering, right, went to school, taking programming classes and things, I was impressed with the 2D art and the 3D art that you did because I knew a little bit what it would take to make that kind of stuff. And you were doing it all by yourself, synchronized animations and hundreds of moves, you know? Yeah, that was horrendous. That was, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the thing that people don't appreciate. They, they'll say, oh, make, make more moves, make, make, make 10 more moves, more moves, mm-hmm. more moves. Every single move in that game mm-hmm. is an afternoon of my life spent. I had to create my own game engine to depict them, um, to, to measure how far, because as, as I said, it's all mathematical. Mm-hmm. So I'm measuring how far away they are, what angle they are, mm-hmm. uh, and what coordinates, and what coordinates they need to travel to with the move. Mm-hmm. And that's so much it's not it's not like an animation in 3d studio max where you literally animate something because that would be a movie mm-hmm. this is a, a, a game with 
characters that are changing coordinates and you've got to marry up the coordinates and you've got to fence in their movements so that they don't clip with um, other scenery and mm-hmm. the wrestling moves. That's one of the things that people um, don't really think about is the animation workload is horrendous. Uh, I, can't, yeah. I, think, I can't think of any other type of game that has such a huge um, animation workload. Yeah, I, that was the first thing that impressed me was knowing what goes into it and then seeing what you had done. I was like, man, my home run derby sucks. <laughs> but sometimes you get in a zone, you get in a zone where you've been doing it so long that you there's a rhythm to it and things that are difficult, you can find shortcuts um, to doing it. It just feels right to you to your brain quickly goes through these motions and it does become second nature after a while if you do it. But but now because I haven't made a move and pro animated a move in the past year, I'm kind of out of the loop. And people keep saying, "Go back and add this move." And it's like, that would be so difficult. That would be an afternoon of my life. You're asking me to give up. Um, so part of me doesn't want to go back to that workload. Um, yeah. I'm proud to have done it at the time, but it's not something I'm enthusiastic about returning to. Well, I want to ask you about how. You know, the app market nowadays is kind of like the Battle of the Titans in some regards. And if you don't have an audience, it's it's difficult to, to make a name. So if you were an app developer, let's say it's you, and you want to enter in, do you have any tips for people out there who, who wants to get into this if they still want to? Um, and how to, you know, make a name for themselves in some way? Um, yeah, I would definitely encourage... Um anybody to give the mobile marketplace a chance because when you do hit big, you hit big. And um, when you do hit, you hit big. Um, But the important thing is um, search results are the new battleground of, of, um, of success because that's how people find games. They'll type in wrestling and I have to be the number one search result for wrestling or and so I've I've had a mixed success with my games that have strange titles like pop scene that kind that was um, not as successful as a wrestling game because people can't find it. You type in music, it doesn't come up. You type in, well, I mean, I don't know what that demographic would type in when they're trying to find a game of that kind, and it doesn't show up. And some of them go beneath the radar when they've got stupid, pretentious names. And nowadays, you've got to be quite blunt, and you've got to be very descriptive and say, this is this is a game about prison. This is prison game. Mm-hmm. And then they type in prison, and they, and they find it. Mm-hmm. Um that's the new battleground of mobile apps. You've got to be discoverable. Um, part of that is making a product worth discovering. Uh, dis- dis- discovering. Uh, the other half is um, marketing it in such a way that people will find it if they try to. Those are good tips, man. I like that. Uh, search results is the new battleground. It, it, it's, it's not. It's not inspiring because um, I like to come up with strange titles, but I can't yeah. do it anymore. I've, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about this. Um, Desert Island Survival Sim is called Wrecked. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the 2D remake of it. And I'm worried about the name because people aren't going to find it unless I put Wrecked, brackets, Desert Island Survival Sim. Yeah. Brackets. So it's ugly, it's not elegant, but that's what's going to make... If I, don't do, if I don't do that, it won't succeed. Yeah. So, well, how do you feel about advertising now? Because I know you said, I haven't paid for an advertising in my life. And when you started, I'm assuming it could be funding. It could just be you weren't interested. But now as a business owner, you know, so many in, do you still have the same standpoint on advertising? Or are you still just going to, nope, Larry? Yeah, I, I'm... 
I, I have tried it once. I tried it with Pop Scene because I was mm. worried about the title. Mm. And I did a Twitter advertising campaign and a Facebook advertising campaign, and I didn't see any results uh, to get excited about. So it wasn't a good investment for me. And I just decided this doesn't work. Um, all I've got to do is get people talking on YouTube, get them sharing videos of it, get them get them showing it to their friends. Just I need to make a product that people want to play. And that's the only way it will succeed. Because even if I advertised on a poor product, they would find it and not like it. So mm, yeah. the important thing is that they find it, like it, and keep playing retention. All right. So it is that time, everyone. We've all been sitting around this campfire sharing stories of game development for over an hour. So Mr. Matt Dickey, first, I want to say thank you. It has been an honor and a pleasure to interview with you and talk with you. And so thanks for inspiring my career as well. Uh, and this is a one of my dream come trues off my bucket list. So thank you. And as a gift to you from Brandon and I, we're going to shut the hell up and let you talk directly to the Game Dev Unchained audience and promote, shout out, uh, advertise anything that you're excited about working on, say hi to mom, whatever you want to do. The floor is yours. Okay. Um, well, I said I was a graduate on one of the first um, game design courses in the UK. And when everybody sat down that for that first lesson, they were all very excited. And we sat down to the realities of programming, where we just learned to crunch a few numbers and output some text in a DOS-based programming language called Pascal. And everybody's hearts sank. But mine didn't. I was genuinely excited to make a game of any kind. And I knew that was all I needed to make something. And I made a text game. I made a wrestling game where you type in the name of a wrestler, and it says, oh, Bret Hart. And you press a number from one to six and it says, oh, Bret Hart does a sharpshoot on Steve Austin and he loses 50 points of, of health. And that's it. I, I made a game out of text. And mm -hmm. they all thought I was crazy for getting excited about this. But because I enjoyed it, I did it. And because I did it, I got better. And those text games evolved into 2D games. Um, just primitive Super Nintendo style 2D, which was still beneath them. And they, they didn't quite see the appeal of that. I was beneath them. They want to make Tomb Raider or Grand Theft Auto or something. This mm -hmm. is beneath but I was genuinely excited to be making games that resembled the ones I played when I was I was younger. And because I enjoyed it, I did it. And because I did it, I got better. And the 2D games evolved into primitive 3D games, mm -hmm. which was still beneath their expectations because they wanted to knock it out of the park with their first project. And mm -hmm. But I was genuinely excited to make a 3D game of any kind. And because I enjoyed it, I did it. And because I did it, I got better to the extent that I was making the best 3D I was capable of making on my own mm -hmm. in, under those circumstances. Um, and so when I look back on that, that period, um, every step of that journey, people would call me deluded. And um, I think it's important to enjoy every step of the process to learn to love the fact that it's difficult and just to en enjoy every scrap of progress um, because the ones that dived in at the deep end and they felt it was beneath them to do this, beneath them to do that, um, they never finished a project and they, and they didn't go on to do it for a living. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that that's the most important thing. 
Man, that's profound. You don't want to like, hey guys, and then my game is coming out in two weeks or like that. Oh, like, I, I'm... Uh, I don't do release dates. That would that would be, uh, that would be very. Yeah, he gets thousands of emails. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. doesn't want thousands more. If I say it's coming out next week and it doesn't, my wife is worth living. I can't open my inbox. I can't check my email. Um, but all I can all I can say is I am working on a uh, 2D remake of this. Old yeah. 2004 project called Rex. We're doing it all over again in in 2D. And um, one of the things I like about this run as a mobile developer is I get to go back in time and relive my career all over again and do things differently. Yeah. So I can keep what works and um, improve on what didn't work with all these projects. That's why it's been a bit more successful second time around. So. It looks like I'm going around in circles sometimes, but I prefer to think of it as spiraling upwards because it's in a repetition and giving things another chance. And um, yeah, so far, it's got a lot more content, a lot more features, and I'm looking forward to uh, debuting it on the uh, on Google Play at a date that I will not commit to. <laughs> because All right. it will, well. will literally... It will literally be on there an hour after it's finished. So the question is, it's not like I'm going to finish it. If there was a release date, it would be because I have finished the project mm. and I'm keeping it under wraps for a month while I coordinate some marketing. The fans mm. don't want that. They don't want what they're asking for. Um, this is not a movie. This is not... Uh, no, no. There's no investors invested in what happens with this project. It will just be on the internet an hour after I've finished it and we cannot predict when that moment will be. All right. Well, you heard it first. You heard it best. But since I've got the mic, I'm looking nice. Larry Charles, I'm saying good night. Hey, this is Brandon Fan. Thanks for joining us. See you guys next week. Yes. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.